who's been praying and who supported us financially because you're you're part of the missions trip you know you you you're part of the trip and we really covet your your prayers so thank you um i was kind of arguing with rob because i i I struggle with public speaking and speaking in front of people i'm like we could do it next week (laughs) but um and plus we got home late so to prepare and really think about what to share was a little bit stressful for me but this morning the thing that the lord put on my heart was that missions trips are wonderful but i think i've really come to learn that they're very much about the teams that go and the impact they have on those people um of course our hope is that we're a blessing to the project that we go to but um but they, they are impacting on the team. And God really does the work within the team and individually. And so one of the things that really stood out to me is Nancy came and did a devotional every morning with us. And I'm pretty sure it was the first day she said, I know you've come to do what you want to do, and you have a plan, but please be flexible to whatever the Lord has. And so it was a good reminder to hear because as Americans we want to go and do and be productive and this is what we have. And, um, and then she also said, I know you've also come to love on them, but let them love you as well because they have Christ in them and they can be a blessing to you as well. And that really struck me and came full circle to me on Friday. That was the last day of our ministry at the Jeremiah Project. And there, it was raining really hard, and we were all getting ready to leave, and there was this little line of kids standing in front of the van, and they were getting soaking wet. And I was standing out there with my umbrella over my head thinking, I don't want to get wet. Why are you out here? And my jeans were soaked, and I just, I, I couldn't get it. And they were smiling and happy. And they use this word called rico. And it just means that it was just rich for them to stand in the rain. And I thought, you know, sometimes it's okay to stand in the rain and get wet. And just enjoy what God has. He brings the rain and the sun comes out again, and we can get dry. And, and I felt like I could hear Nancy's words again. Let them love you. Let them minister to you. Let them show you his light. We think we're bringing our light to them, but really they were shining his light. And it ministered to me because I felt like in going down that I realized I had let so much of the cares of this world choke me out that I couldn't enjoy the rain and God was saying just enjoy the rain it's okay and so anyways and I also wanted to share that I think our team is a great example of here we have younger and here we have older and we worked together amazingly well 
and everyone did their part and everyone flowed in their giftings and so I'm really proud of this team and appreciate who all of you are. So thank you. I hate getting the microphone. Ugh. Sup? Yeah. Um I just want to talk about this kid that really stood out to me in the Jeremiah Project, his life and what he's done. Uh, his name's Danilo. He wasn't in the pictures uh, in there, but um, you do have a picture of him? Oh, okay. Um, he's, uh, there he is. That's his home. He is uh, 15 años. He is 15 years old. He, um, started living by himself when he was about 11 years old because his home life was so horrid he would it all started out him going to the park because he hated to go home because of the situation that was there Josue would see him in the park and he would ask him what's going on and he said I don't want to go home he'd do that for about a year finally Josue came up to him and said it's time to move it's better for you to go by yourself than to stay out here in the park and deal with going back home to your family. So when he was about 11 all the way to about 12 years old, he was jumping from house to house with different roommates with God knows what they did and the addictions they did. And who knows, maybe they were good, maybe they were bad. We didn't really know. He didn't talk about that much. He's um, been in uh, this house for about three years. The Jeremiah Project helps him um, pay rent. And... He, I mean, he's just got his house there. He goes to school um, every day, five days a week. I don't know. He goes about five days a week and uh, to learn how to be a mechanic. Right now he's uh, working at a car wash about twice a week, and he makes about 20 quetzal a week, but his rent is 500 quetzal a month. So it's kind of hard for him to... Um, pay for his rent. So the Jeremiah Project helps him out. But I just, he, he inspired, I mean, I, my heart really went out for him because, I mean, thinking about that, he's my age. I could never live out on the streets by myself and do what he did. I, I love my family, and I couldn't see them break, be broken like that. So it breaks my heart to see that that happened to him and his family, he has no idea where they are. He, We asked him where they were, and he doesn't even know where they live, how they're doing. He hasn't seen them in about four years. It was pretty bad. He, um, One thing that they did to him was one day he'd get a really nice pair of shoes. The next day they'd sell them to pay their rent or to pay for something else because they spent all the rest of their money on their stuff whatever they do, they drink or do other stuff like that. And so he took a lot of pride in his shoes. You could tell because he lined them up um, on a wall. He had like six pairs, and they weren't that nice. I mean, they're torn up, they're beaten up, they're dirty. Um, but he had them lined up, you know, like a trophy. It was really, he was really proud of them because he had no one to take them from them. So I, mean, I, just, I just thought that was like just crazy that... One, they would do that, and two, how much he takes pride in his shoes. Um, he's definitely inspired me to want to go 
back to Guatemala and help the kids so that they don't have to live like that. You know, if their family's having issues, I would want to go and help them out. And uh, there's a song that's kind of been tugging on me. It's called Fix My Eyes. And um, it's about fixing your eyes on God, but one of the lyrics is, um, excuse me, um, live life for another, take, take time for a brother. And I love listening to that part over and over again because I want to go out and not just in Guatemala, but in everywhere, live life for another and take time for my brothers and my sisters in Christ. And so I just want to, I mean, I'm very grateful for Danilo because he didn't just, um, I didn't just uh, shine on, shine God's love on him. He opened um, another door for me. And uh, I don't know, I feel like when I met him, I kind of like left a part of myself there. When I met all these kids, I kind of left myself, part of myself in Guatemala. So it's, it was hard to come back home. Um, cause I love it there so much. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's what I have to share. I wanted to share a little bit about the VBS that we did. <clears throat> and I really had fun playing with all the kids and doing the crafts with them. And I really bonded with some of them, which made me not want to leave. <laughs> One of them was um, Dalia. She's five years old. And <laughs> I was trying to ask her what her name was, and she said, Dalia Luz. And I said, can I call you Dalia? And she's like, no. <laughs> and then I met another girl, Auda. She's my age, and I just really liked her. And I had fun doing the crafts with them and playing soccer with them. And they are just amazing kids. And... I really like them. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to share about what I discovered about myself this week. Because um, on Wednesday, I was painting in the bathrooms, and I got really frustrated over something that was completely not worth it at all. And... I realized because other people were trying to come in and help um, that I wanted to do it all on my own and that I didn't want or need help. Um, and that was kind of how I started off the week. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, I really struggled with it to let go and... <laughs> let other people in and let them help me because I felt that if I wasn't doing something big to show that I was trying hard to become who God wants me to be, that I completely lost sight of focusing on God, that I was focusing on I want to try to be who God wants me to be, but I couldn't see who God wanted me to be when I was seeing who I wanted to be. And I apologized on Wednesday night to the team, and I realized that I'm, I struggle a lot with letting other people in and with letting other people 
help me, and it goes not only with my family and my friends and everyone around me, but with God as well, and that I wasn't letting God work in me because I wasn't willing to accept help from anyone else, and that I couldn't open myself up enough to let go and experience what God had for me and that I was holding back and saying, God, I know that I need to do this. I need to do all of this work and I really, I want to work and do big things. And I shut myself off from the little things, from the little everyday amazing miracles. And I was not willing to let go. So I really learned about myself this week, how much I really need to let go. And it's really hard for me to do that. And it's something that I really grew in this week. Well, that's a tough act to follow. Because the conviction on my heart has been that... um, that my story is a confession of what a bad missionary I am. (laughs) Because as we loaded up the car and we're driving, uh, we stopped here at the church, and somewhere between my front porch and this, uh, the doors, I realized I didn't even bring a Bible. And, And funny enough, another venerable leader on the trip had neglected to pack a Bible as well. So thankfully, we were here at the church and we could find Bibles to take on our big missions trip. So, um, and it just kind of goes with the theme of the last about five, six months of my life, which has been God systematically humbling me in the process of healing me and um, just taking me through probably the most spiritually intense phase of my life. And so for me, going to Guatemala was actually a vacation. I was, I was like, oh God, thank you. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm in this beautiful place with these fabulous people. And yeah, it's, it's missions work, but at some rate, I've been there, I've done that, and, and I kind of felt like, all right, I'm, I get a respite. And in some ways it was, but it's never that simple. Um, so, so I'm humbled from the start, you know, forgetting the Bible. But, uh, and Matthew, can you put the pictures up? Go ahead and start with your, your dad. There we go. Um, so this picture, um, I, I took that, I think it was Monday morning, And as I watched this scene unfold, the thought on my mind was, if pastor can't walk into church on Sunday, this is what we show as the reason, right? Because because this is him giving himself, the man with the bad back, giving himself. He's got a kid sitting on his shoulders. Now, she's not huge, but this really, to me, is what we were there for and what we were called to do. And, you know, these are grubby little kids and they, they, but they, and they just want to be on you and near you and with you, and that's harder for some of us than for others. Um, and there are pictures of the whole team ultimately looking like that, probably except for me, um, because I was taking pictures more than wrestling with kids. But we were all out there. We were playing soccer, and, and this trip was really about giving ourselves and giving, um, giving ourselves away. Um, and, and Rob has touched on the struggles that some of these families face. Um, next picture. In spite of living in a place that looks like this, the beauty of this city is just 
unimaginable. I mean, really, one of the most beautiful places I think I've ever been. Yeah, so pause, pause right there. Um, but they live in the shadow of these volcanoes that are puffing smoke. One of them is actively puffing smoke. We saw it almost every day. They live literally in the valley of the shadow of death. Because at any time, these things could go, and they have nowhere. It's, it's over for them. And, um, and so we were invited, um, as good missionaries would, to skip church on Sunday and um, to climb to the top of this one that they call Agua. Because at the top of this um, crater, there's actually there's a dip at the highest point off to the left. And the, the, the crater of that volcano had a lake in it. And that lake gave way and flooded out the backside. Am I right, Rob? Flooded out the backside in a devastating manner. And I'm sure wiped out loads of stuff in the, the hillsides underneath. And, um, and left this big crater. So... A group of us, um, Zach and Josh and um, Josue and myself and Brian Taylor, and then they have an intern from Oklahoma. You might have, you'll see her in pictures, um, Rachel. With the group, six of us, decided to hike this volcano. Now, I said yes, not having seen what we were actually getting into um, because it was covered with clouds most of the trip. So these are really extraordinary pictures. And, and I was coming off of two weeks prior, running a half marathon, the best time of my life. I felt like I was really fit, felt great. I can do this. And that's kind of my, my tendency. Control, capability, not going to be a problem. So this is our first weekend in country. We sign up to do this. So next picture. Um, this was the easy part of the trail. We're walking through cornfields. You see the size of the rocks in there. It's roughly maintained. They um, have locals who give us security and actually walk as escorts with us for a tip because there are, there are forces out there that would, would like to, you know, grab our backpacks and run. And actually, we've heard that they take your clothes as well so that you can't come after them so quickly, right? So, so we were grateful. We, we tipped the guys. Um, but but this, this hike, um, actually, go, go back to that last picture, Matthew. Oh, back. Back, back. Okay. We started on the far, at the bottom of that slope to the left, as you see it. And we went more or less straight up that eastern slope of the volcano to the point that we sat for lunch at the top of the, the dip that's um, there just to the left of the highest peak. There are radio towers, and we sat kind of under one of those radio towers um, on the edge of the crater, and it was clouded over, and it was icy and cold, and my fingers were so numb I could hardly hold my sandwich, and, um, and we were absolutely exhausted. We figured it's about a 5,000 vertical foot climb up a trail that looks like this next picture. Um, switchbacks, I mean, there were times we said this was straight out of Lord of the Rings. It was misty. It was cold. Those guys with the donkeys come down all of a sudden. You just don't know what to expect. And, and you really don't know where the top is. And so here, Josh and Zach are no slouches. They're pretty fit, too. And all of us are struggling. You're at 12. The top of this is, is 12,000 foot high volcano. And we're thinking, yeah, we're from Big Bear. We train at altitude. I mean, come on. How hard can it be? Right? Nearly four straight hours of hiking up the side of this mountain. By the time we got there, our legs were burning, absolutely burning, breathing. There was a point where I, I held my breath for too long 
um, in between steps and actually felt like I was going to pass out. You know, and we're probably about 11,000 feet at that point. And I realized, nope, I'm just going to keep breathing. You just got it. And everything in me, you know, and all of us experienced this. We really reached the physical end of ourselves in a way that just doesn't happen very often. And that, for me, was significant um, because, because it doesn't happen. But um, the rest of the week, my body reminded me with every step that I had reached the end of myself. And so every time I bent down and I was painting a corner, and all of a sudden I'm up like this, right? The proud have been humbled. Go ahead and, and go to the next. This was us. This is not, well, maybe midway down the mountain. Not even. Was this, did we do this on the way up? We stopped at this point. Okay. Yeah, we started in the village at the bottom. So this is, is, is already an hour up the mountain. On the way back, we stopped at the same overlook. And, and we realized this well before then, but as we're standing there, our legs are just quivering. <laughs> we couldn't even stand up straight. If, if I locked my knees, my legs would just shake like this. And, uh, and, and we knew we were probably in trouble for the rest of the week. And, of course, none of us took hiking clothes, hiking shoes, proper hydration. I mean, we were, we were putting it all together. So, um, so this, this set the stage for the rest of the week. And, um, and literally for me, you know, physically reminded that I was, I was at the end of myself. Um, so as painting was probably the main thing that I did as our, our work project. And as I was painting toward the end of the week, I was out at the front gates of the project on the street. And we had seen street dogs come by. And of course, we're working with these kids who are just heartbreaking and um, you know, you just understand their struggles. We'd been in the homes. We'd seen what they come from. And I hadn't really been emotional about that. But all of a sudden, I'm out there painting. And this, the cutest street dog that I had seen yet in the country and the most heartbreakingly emaciated comes walking up to me. And he wants, he's begging. And he's trying to come through the gate. And we'd already been told, don't let the dogs in the gate. And I looked at this little dog, and I just about burst into tears. Because the kids we could help, the kids we could do something for. But here's one of God's little creatures who looks a lot like my own totally spoiled, ridiculous animals at home. And, and this dog absolutely breaks my heart. And I really wrestled with that. And, and part of it was guilt. Like, Lord, why am I not so broken up about these kids? Be, but because, again, you know, we feel like we can do something. But what the Lord just revealed to me in that moment is that there is an order to his creation and things are not right and what we saw in Guatemala is that that the order of the priorities is broken and it, it brings me to um to Genesis chapter one right it starts at the beginning Bible, I forgot. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it, or have, have stewardship over it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. 
we are, we are charged with that responsibility. And what I saw in Guatemala is, is that when the priority, people are not the priority, when the people have been so um, damaged and their world is out of order, and you see that in the trash, you see that in the deforestation. You know, in our hike, we saw a lot of corn growing on the slopes. They are destroying their environment to grow food that does not even nourish their bodies. Right? It's out of order. Um, and, and all of creation suffers as a result so that these, the simple little creatures that really, you know, what should be so easy to care for are going around starved. Um, and that little dog was just a picture to me of, of that devastation. Next, can you jump the next mat? And this is a visual representation because these boys are the same age. So we've got Zach, who's a fabulous, healthy specimen. And we've got Antonio. Antonio is 14. His mom, now mind you, his mom is probably only, Vidalia, what, four, six, four, I don't know, teeny, tiny, teeny little lady. She's the one, she was standing at a sink, and you couldn't even tell the perspective. I mean, you've got a countertop, normal counter height, and she's only this high above it. You know, I mean, she's really teeny anyway. So, so he doesn't have genetics on his side. But the fact is, we don't know what their genetic potential would be because they're so undernourished. And, and this picture, to me, really spoke volumes. Um, now, you see the smile. These kids, they have these amazing hearts, and that's what ministered to us um, so much over the week. Matthew, next slide. This is a pretty typical scene of where they live, what they come from. These were the home visits we did. This is up in a, a village. Um, this is on the trail overlooking the homes, but they're scattered all along these hillsides, and, and we hiked some pretty crazy trails with our very tired, sore legs to visit these homes and to take them basic subsistence. Um, and the men unloaded a lot of concrete blocks to create the stoves. There were pictures we saw of that. Um, and those stoves were a real conviction to me because we essentially took them. Um, go ahead and jump to the next kind of dark it's hard to see but this is their kitchen and Rob mentioned they cut the wood to be able to cook over an open fire with no ventilation in these concrete and sheet metal buildings and this is a cast iron looking pot over a simple grate on top of a, a concrete counter and that was their family's cook space that was the extent of how they would prepare their meals and of course it's devastating because they're breathing in that smoke and um, you know and then they're limited it's one tiny space and this, if you think back to our own ancestors, um, you know, the, the folks on the covered wagons basically had this level of technology available to them. We're going back easily 150 or more years. The stoves that we were able to help provide and build for them brought them to the turn of the century, essentially, you know, or, you know to put a pot-bellied stove into your cabin. That's where we're able to take them. Progress is slow and hard and expensive, but the gratitude, um, the, the home visit that moved me the most was the woman that we had installed the stove. The minute installed it in the morning, we came to admire it in the afternoon, and she wept, just tears of gratitude that she would never have been able to, um, you know, have this blessing. This was her kitchen, and then the new stove was in the other slides. Um, 
she's still paying for 20% of that stove if it cost 1,000 quetzales. And if you want to do the math, it's seven and a half quetzales to one US dollar. Um, so 1,000 quetzales, she's on the hook for 200 quetzales. And a lot of them earn, what, about a quetzal a day if they're lucky? So she, she is, and these were tears of gratitude that we have put her in debt, essentially, to pay this thing off. And um, it definitely brings us to reevaluate our own lives. Um, but again, it brings us back to that stewardship. We're each responsible for what we have, and God will call us each to account for what we've been given, um, no matter whether it's this or whether it's the lives that we go back to. And um, I think those are the the big lessons that I'll take away. Definitely want to encourage anyone who wants to go on this, this trip or others um, and also to support Nancy, Josue, Brian, um, the missionaries that are down there to meet them when they come. And I think we're going to be assembling a suitcase of stuff to send back with them, things that we can send and bless them and the people that we've interacted with. And they'll be here November, December timeframe. privilege of taking um, some really good friends of ours, Josh and Melissa and Allie and Tasha Noble. They attend Calvary Chapel, but we're, they're part of the homeschool group, and so, so they're going to share now, but I just wanted to introduce them, and this week was great because we got to be a lot closer. Yes. Thanks. Um, well, thanks, Julie, for talking about the volcano and stuff. Um, that, was, that was pretty cool. Uh, um, that kind of gives you an idea of, of where many of these homes are, they're up on these steep hills, and, and the people are carrying everything, you know, on their backs and on their heads up these steep hills, and they do it in the dark, and it's muddy, and it's rainy, and um, yeah, I remember when, when we went to the first home visit, it was, it was kind of that picture that looked over um, the houses that Julie showed. Uh, it was, you know, a 10-minute walk kind of up this switchback hill up, up to this uh, lady's house, and, um, and she's got this big uh, water vat thing, and, and we said, hey, how, how, do you, how do you get the water up here? And they have these um, pots that are like that, that they fill up, oh, sorry, <laughs> that they fill up down at the way, way down the hill, and they walk with them on their heads up, up you know, up the up the trail to get to their house, um, and you know that's one bucket full, and they're trying to fill like a five uh, or fifty gallon drum type type thing. So, uh, definitely a different life. Um, uh, let's see, the the concrete stoves that we carried down these hills were three hundred fifty. I was thinking one hundred and fifty for the one piece, but yeah, it was whatever it was. It was really heavy. Um, one of them we were able to do, and it was, I mean, we're hiking down this muddy trail, and me, Zach, and Brian are, are kind of, I mean, the thing's only about, uh, I don't know, a foot and a half by a foot and a half, maybe, yeah, something like that, the big piece, yeah. the big piece. Yeah, yeah, and, and then it's, it's, you know, about a foot and a half or two feet, you know, it's about a foot and a half cube, we'll just say that, and um, it weighs 150 pounds, you know, and we're sitting here trying to walk down the hill, you know, not slip because it's raining. Um, and then, and then the next house, it was, it was, we had, I mean, take, it took it out, took it out of us to go down that hill. And the next house we went to, 
was even steeper. And I, I took a picture of it, but our pictures don't really give you the, the perspective that we have. It looks really flat, you know, and you're like, oh, that's not that big of a deal. But uh, um, I mean, it's like, it's like a flight of stairs where the stairs are only about that wide. It's almost like going up a ladder. That's how steep these hills are. And this guy, he comes along to help us out. And they have, they have these um, rope kind of, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's a harness leverage type thing where they, they put it on their forehead and then they just wrap the rope around whatever they're carrying and they carry it on their back with, with their head basically holding it up. And the guy carried this 150 pound thing down this steep dirt mud hill um, with us just basically walking next to him so he didn't fall over. If, if he had fallen over, it would have literally folded him in half. I mean, it would have been it. Um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was interesting. Um, we, <laughs> we live so, uh, so, so easy and comfortable here. Um, sorry. Anyway, I have a couple notes so I don't just babble the whole time here. Um, I, what? Right here? Okay. I'm not used to holding the mic, so. Um, what's that? I know. Um, so I was blessed to be able to go to just about every home visit we went to. We, we, we couldn't take our whole group to all the home visits because they, uh, they're, they're very small. And um, Matt, can you put up the picture of the kind of group picture of us with Danilo, please? Uh, their homes are very small. And I mean, this one, this is Danilo's. He's in the middle there. This is his room, his house. It's not it's his house. Um, it's 12 by 10, maybe. It's not very big. Um, that's all his stuff, too. He literally has nothing, but except for a line of shoes where you can't see them. <laughs> um, anyway, and, they, and they, they cram, in a lot of these houses, they cram 12 people into them. You know, they've got bunk beds all around the side and very little walk space in between. Um, but anyway, so we, we couldn't all go to these home visits. So, but I was blessed because I was, actually, Zach and I, uh, specifically because we did a bunch of the, the physical work. Robert, I think, too, um, was part of that. Um, we got to go to just about every house because every house that we went to, we took some, we either took bunk beds or we took stoves. And um, just to get the, the, they all live slightly differently. This was a very nice, he had, he had nice, clean concrete floors, which blew us away. This is the last house we went to. His house is very put together, but some of them, and I, they were in the slides, but some of them, I mean, there's just, it's, it's dirt. Most of the, the houses are just dirt floors, trash everywhere. Um, you know, it's, it's six months of the year, it's pouring rain. So they're walking into these houses with muddy feet. And um, um, one of the things that we all we all would talk at the, in the evenings about about kind of what we saw during the day and some of our experiences and the, the thing that kept coming up as you would imagine is wow they have nothing these people have nothing and we have even the poor people in our in our uh, country here and our even in our town you know, there's a lot of low income people here as we know but even those people are living so far above any of these standards I mean everybody has cable TV and running water and heat or at least a fireplace, you know, they're not burning wood in their, in the middle of their house that looks like this and filling their house with smoke. And um, I think what it did was, it, it does stir up some guilt, you know, it does to some, I mean, I think to some extent you come away going, man, I, I want to go home and get rid of my stuff, but, um, but that maybe, that maybe is your first thought, but then you, then you step back and you go, no, 
stuff isn't bad. And it's not bad that we have what we have. And we, we, we talked kind of at length about this. I think um, we can swing to extremes. We can be like, oh, now I've got to go sell everything and give it all away and live in a box. Well, we can't do that because if we did that, then who would go send money to ministries like the Jeremiah Project? Who would be able to finance a group like us going down to help these people out? You know, in, in Acts, um, Paul talks about God putting us each in exactly the place where he wants us, the nation, the boundaries, um, all that stuff. Um, paraphrase, obviously. And he does it for the purpose of us uh, coming to know him and, and seeking after him. And so, like Julie said, we, we're, we're responsible for um, what we're given and how we use it. So, so we kind of we talked about that. You know, we, we shouldn't go home and feel guilty about having a cupboard full of food and, and all that stuff. What, what it does do, though, is you look at how these people live, and yet you know, they're going about their lives. Many of them were smiling, and, and, and um, they're full of life and joy. And it's without all the stuff, you know. And again, stuff isn't bad, but I think what we tend to do is we tend to focus on stuff, you know. Should we give our stuff away? That, that's focusing on stuff, right? Um, should we accumulate more? That's focusing on stuff instead of focusing on people. Stuff's going to burn. It's all going to go. And yet people are going to live forever. Um, they're going to live forever in one of two places. And we have to look at every individual that way. Something Nancy said on the, uh, the first day, um, her, her first devotional was, or it might have been the second day, but, but, and it really stuck with me, was look past the smiles on their face, look past um, uh, all that, and see, kind of think about what they're going through in their life. You know, I mean, we don't know most of these people's stories. We don't know how they got to where they are. Uh, most of them, this is how they grew up, so they really don't know any, any different. However, um, we need to look past uh, just, just the smile on their face and, and, and see what, what the story behind it is. And, and, and also remember, look at what they're going home to, and yet they come and, and they act like normal kids, and then they have fun and all that. Um, that, really, that really ministered to me because for myself, and I'm sure I'm not alone, um, I... I live my life consumed with the world, you know, how am I going to get further in my job, how am I going to provide for my family, how am I going to go surfing or, or learn this new trick, snowboarding, um, and none of those things are inherent, are, are wrong in and of themselves, but when the focus is on that, we're so cluttered with, with all that that we, we lose focusing on the people around us. And, you know, we all have stories, every single one of us. Just because we live in a first world country and we, most of us have pretty much every comfort, you know, um, that, we, that we could want, we still have stories. You know, we're all humans and we've all got hurt and we've all got baggage and all that stuff. And God has just shown me that, you know, I need to slow down and smell the roses, if you will. You know, slow down and pay attention to that person and, and what's behind that person's smile or whatever. And, and um, um, even my kids, you know, I mean, I think we have a pretty good relationship at home and we, we do spend a lot of time with our kids, but we're still so busy at home. And yet when we're here, we're of the mindset that, okay, we're on a missions trip. We have nothing else to really worry about but serving these people 
getting to know them, playing, just picking the kids up and throwing them up in the air and watching them smile. And yet when we come home, we're like, ah, you know, go play. We got stuff we got to take care of around our house, you know. It's, I hope it's not just me. Um, and what it was, the word that came to my mind, and it's kind of a popular word right now. You probably all know it, but it's intentionality. And that's um, to be intentional with the people around you. Be intentional with your kids. Be intentional with your spouse. Be intentional with the people you work with. Because our life is a mission field. It's not just, oh, we went away to Guatemala, and we're going to go on this missionary trip, and then when we come home, we go back to normal life where we don't think about that. Our, our life is a mission field, and if we're intentional about knowing that person and, and loving them and giving them a hope. The, the scripture says always be ready to give an answer for the hope that is in you. But if we don't have a hope that's on our face and in our actions, people aren't going to ask us, what is that hope that's in you? If we're just like everybody else, right? And, um, but we have a hope. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11. God is, is he's given, he, he, he knows the plans he has for us, and he's got a plan to give us hope in a future. Whether that's a hope in a future now or a hope in a future in eternity, we have a hope that we can cling to. And uh, anyway, I'm going to stop, but it's about focusing on the people. Um, real quick, that, that's basically all I wanted to say. I did want to talk a couple about a couple of pictures. Um, could you show the picture of the, of the two pictures of the bed, please, Matt? All right, so we built these bunk beds. And um, this is four of the kids. This house had, gosh, 12 kids that age. And there was, I think, four families in this house, right? And, and, and it, was, it was actually one of the nicer, yes, there was three or four rooms, I think. So it was actually one of the nicer areas we were in. See, they actually had uh, tile flooring. But, um, so we built these bunk beds, you know, very simple. I mean, you would, you would cringe if your kid stepped on one of those boards because there's splinters sticking out. The wood is wet. They don't, nothing gets dry there. So all the wood we're working with is wet wood. It's not dry. So, um, you know, we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so not, you know, to regulation, the code, you know. <laughs> and yet to them, this is a, a new bed. I mean, this is going to allow them to not all be on one bed to the size of the bottom one. You know, now they can split up, you know, three on each or whatever. And their, and their mattress, if you, if you go back to the other picture, uh, Matt, um, is just this piece of foam. And it's filth. I mean, it's probably going to soak up every matter of nasty, you know, anything you can think of. And it's just a piece of foam that's, you know, about five inches thick. Um, and yet they were so happy to get this. And um, so that was one of the things that we did uh, this, this day uh, when we were finished. Um, Rob and Robert were kind of finishing up what they were doing, and Zach and I were throwing the kids from this bed down here up, up there, and then they jump into our arms, and we put them back down, and they were just having a blast. And it, it was so fun, you know. And, and again, I, I, I think back on how much of that do I do with my own kids? You know, how much time do I get on the floor and play with them and, and do this stuff? I'm usually too busy, but just taking five minutes to throw these kids up on this bed, they were just totally, you know, loving it. So, um, and then uh, the other picture shows uh, uh, Marqueo, his name was. He, um, he was, I think, 25. He didn't speak any English. And we had to go. We needed a little, we needed some wood cut. So we, him and I and his, uh, one of his daughters, we walked 10 minutes to a lumber yard. And we tried to communicate the whole way. I, I know very little Spanish. But I was able to get across how old I am and how many daughters I have and how old they are and, and him too. 
think he said he was 27. But uh, what really was neat was, was you know, he, happy guy, you know, happy guy. I don't know what his story is. Um, he was one of the few fathers we did see because there's not a lot of fathers. Most of the houses were just mothers. Um, but he seemed to, to be involved with his kids. And uh, when we got back with the, the pieces that we need, needed, um, we had to screw. It was basically just a, a little cleat to, hold, to, to help disperse some of the pressure um, or the weight because uh, they're the screws are holding these beds together. That's pretty much it. Um, not very good engineering. But anyway, he really wanted to get involved. So he would, he would come over and, and, you know, he watched me do one. And he came over and he, he said, here, here, can I try it? And, and so we took turns kind of holding the piece and screwing it in and, and stuff. And so I thought that was really neat. He, he, took, he took an interest in, and really wanted to participate and not just stand there and watch. And then um, there's one other one, Matt, where I'm working with a little boy. That, uh, that's Antonio, and um, we were measuring out, what's that? There were so many Antonios. <laughs> if I just called him Antonio, I was about a 50-50 chance I was right. <laughs> but yeah, that was Antonio, um, because he was the first Antonio I met. This was the very first day, and we were just measuring out and marking the wood, and, um, and he wanted to help. He didn't want to just stand there. He, he wanted to help, so... He got involved, and, and uh, when I would walk, I showed him a couple times, and I'd hold the, I'd hold the square, and, and he would put the line there. And, and then uh, after about two of those, I, when I'd go get the next board, I'd come back, and he'd already have it marked, measured and marked in the right place. And I thought that was pretty neat. I, I mean, the kid was probably, gosh, I don't know. I would say maybe eight years old, but then again, he could be 15. I don't know. <laughs> but um, probably not. But anyway, um, yeah, so definitely a blessing, I, I think. I think I'll, I'll pass it and let somebody else talk. But um, thank you for all of you who supported and prayed for us. Um, and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, <laughs> those of you who know me can keep me accountable when I'm too busy with my life and worrying about everything and just to take a step back and say, no, it's about the people around you and, 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 and what's behind them and their, their story and, and getting to know people and their stories and loving them for who they are because they're created in the image of God. So thanks. Okay, so I'm Melissa, Josh's wife. Um, gosh, there are so many stories and pictures, and I mean, we probably have over a thousand pictures between all of us and more stories. Um, so I kind of was like, what am, what am I going to say? Because it's, you know, we all have had similar experiences, but I think the Lord taught us something individually. Um, so anyways, uh, going to Guatemala, I really had no idea what to expect. Um, this was my first missions trip, my first time in a third world country. Um, I'd seen the images, you know, in the magazines and the TV, so we all know what it looks like, you know. But I was like, Lord, what are you going to teach me? What are you going to show me? Because I pretty much have it all figured out. So what? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, just have no clue. Um, and so... <laughs> The two things, the two main things that he taught me about were germs and control. And <laughs> because I am what we Americans call a germaphobe control freak. And <laughs> I'm sure my husband is loving my self-confession. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so um, 
just going into this place where <laughs> Shannon had said when they lived there, her housekeeper said, the dirt is dirtier here. And I'm like, it's so true. Like, everything is just it's dirty. Um, and I'm kind of having a hard time with it. I didn't bring enough antibacterial, you know. <laughs> um, and I quickly ran out of that stuff. Um, but uh, just, you know, the Lord just showed me, like, are you willing to get rid of your fear and your phobias and your preferences, your clean hands and your clean children, and just let me, let you experience this. And when the little girl holds out her hand to walk with you to the park, are you going to hold her hand? Or are you going to just pat her on the back and walk with her, hope she just leaves you alone? You know, and, and so when, <laughs> I know that sounds horrible, but, um, you know, and so, and I did, I did. I, you know, I was holding two little girls' hands on the way to the park at one point. But, yeah, they just, like, like you saw that picture of Rob, they're just all over you, and they want to touch you, and they want to touch your stuff, and they want to, they just, they want to be with you. And it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's awesome. Um, and so the Lord just, he just really took me out of my comfort zone with that. And that's good, you know. Um, it's a good thing. Um, and then as far as the control goes, um, you know, I ha- we, we had just gotten done with a home visit. It was an evening home visit, and it had been a great day, and everything fell into line, and it was just as, you know, and um, it was just wonderful. And we're walking out of this beautiful place up this gorgeous trail, and this dog comes chasing after me and bites me. And I had shorts on, so he broke the skin. And so I'm like, Lord, I did not plan on this. <laughs> like, I, okay, we, we expected uh, uh, maybe a foodborne illness, some sort of a parasite. Okay, we got grapefruit seed extract. We've got all of our stuff. We've been taking all of our vitamins, you know. We're ready for this. We're prepared. Like, and so I'm on the way to the ER because Josue, once he saw it, he said, I'm going to take you to the um, hospital. And just to be safe. And so we're driving down this hill, just me and Josue, who speaks very broken English. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what, are, what am I up against here? Um, did that dog have rabies? Because, you know, um, Julie had mentioned the, the malnourished animals. I mean, there's a dime a dozen all over the place. Dogs, you can see their ribs. Horses, you could see their ribs just all over. And... Um, most of the dogs were very nice. This one happened to be a family's dog, and I think he was protecting his family because we were leaving their house. But anyway, so I'm just thinking in my mind, what, what, what could happen? You know, like, uh, I don't know. You know, and in fact, I don't want to know. I, I just, but, and, and what are they going to do at the hospital? Shannon told me at one time when they lived there, she had gotten stung by a bee and had an allergic reaction, and they pumped her full of antibiotics, and she was in the hospital. And I'm just like, this is not how I planned to spend <laughs> the evening. And, our, you know, and, and, and then to top it off, I'm with Josue, who, who, like I said, barely speaks English. I mean, he's, you know, but I, I just have a hard time understanding because I don't speak the language. I mean, I know hola, uh, muy bien, como <laughs> está, um, and so I'm thinking, I hope the doctor speaks a little bit of English because <laughs> I didn't bring my translators with me. Um, and so I just was kind of freaking out in my mind. And I'm like, Lord, what are you doing? You know, um, and he's just like, 
yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you are completely and totally vulnerable and out of control, meaning you are not in control. And what are you going to do about that? Are you going to trust me? Are you going to freak out and have a panic attack and make them sedate you? Like, what, what are you going to do, you know? And, and I, just, I just felt him speaking to me, you know. Maybe they don't have all the right medicine and all the right doctors and all the right vitamins. And maybe they don't have enough antibacterial hand wash, you know. But they have me, you know. They have me. And is that enough for you, Melissa, you know? You know, you, you have all that stuff at home, but you have me, you know. And so he just brought me to the, to the end of myself. I think a couple of you mentioned that, just to where I was just like, it's just me and you, Lord. <laughs> and it's good, you know. It's good to be brought out of our, ourselves, really, and into this place where we're completely and totally dependent on him because that's how these people are living, you know. One of the ladies um, that we visited, that the guys had put their stove together, and we came back, and she was just, like Julie said, weeping with gratitude. And she said that um, her son, uh, I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say, her son was really sick. And um, I think, like, to the point of death, it seemed like he was, like, almost going to die. And... um, and she just had to, you know, the Jeremiah, she kept saying, Nancy and Josue and the Jeremiah Project, you know, they helped me. And, and she was talking about God and how God was there with her. And, and um, so anyway, so like I said, I forgot my train of thought. But basically just that they depend on him. And, um, and uh, you know, they don't have all the, all the comforts and the security, the safety nets that we have. And so that really spoke to me because, you know, so I hope that that encourages somebody, and um, that's a great ministry that they're doing down there. It's just amazing to be there. It's, again, it's one thing to see it in the brochure or in the slideshow. Totally different thing to be there, step into these people's homes, into their lives, and uh, just see how they do it day in and day out. It's just, it's amazing, and, um, I think that was all. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Oh, yes, sorry. Um, yeah, um, it really wasn't, the bite wasn't that bad. It was just the fact that it did break the skin. So I went there, and it was it was a pretty nice hospital. Apparently, it was a private hospital. It was the private one. Um, so we walk in, and we, we check in and go sit next to the emergency room, which is a, a dark room. Josue knocks on the door. We sit down in the hallway, and I'm like, there's nobody here. <laughs> I think they went home for that. He's like, oh, no, they come, they come. And <laughs> they come. And then a few minutes later, the doctor comes walking out of another room, and I sit down, and he just checks it, and, and uh, him and Josue are speaking Spanish, and then that's when I started going, oh, I wish I brought Shannon or Julie with me. I don't know what they're saying. Um, but then the doctor did speak a little bit of English, and he cleaned it and wrote me a prescription for antibiotics, and I was on my way. So... In fact, I just want to mention, because it's so funny. Um, well, it's not funny, but. So we go down there, you know, fully prepared for parasites and stuff. And, and, and maybe an ER visit to get some antibiotics because we're throwing up or whatever it is. We have two ER visits in less than 24 hours. 
totally unrelated to parasites. So mine's the dog bite. And do you mind? <laughs> okay, so, so then Shannon slips in the shower on Friday morning and breaks the fall with her head. And so she has a huge hematoma on the back of her head. So like, oh, here goes another ER visit. And we're just like, are you kidding me? So just totally like Nancy had said, just let, you know, t- take all your plans and put them aside and just let the Lord, you know. And so anyways. It was a great, great trip. I'm so glad we went. Learned a lot. I wanted to share a little bit about how these kids were um, happy and with the little that they had. Um, I'm not good at speaking in front of people, so. <laughs> um, the first day of ABS... We, um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> we, uh, started off with a lesson, and, um, we, uh, sort of sat with the kids. We did a little bit of worship, and then we did some crafts, and, uh, this 17-year-old, well, I mean, most 17-year-old kids here would be, like, totally not interested in it, but this 17-year-old's just, like, happy and trying trying to figure it out, and it's just, like, these people aren't like American kids, and they aren't spoiled like we are, and yet they're happy. And um, uh, then we went outside and played football or soccer, and <laughs> that was really fun. And um, there was like, is a completely pointless game. We had no rules, no nothing. We were just trying to get it into the goal, and it was Gringos against Guatemalans. And um, the green goes lost, yeah. Um, The second day, we did another lesson and did the craft, and I think we did it, too. And the, there, yes, like Maddie said, there was this girl named Auda, and she she and I just clicked right away. She's she's my age, and she's, she's a sweetheart, and she speaks a little English, so that was very nice. And, um... And then we, uh, on the, on Thursday or Friday, we played football again, and it was pouring rain, and, you know, we're freaking out because we're soaking wet, and these kids are just, they don't care, they're falling into puddles, and they're just laughing at it, and they're falling onto concrete, and they don't even say, ow. (laughs) They just, it's just like, they, they put us to shame, we're, well, um, dramatic when if if I fell on the cement I'd probably scream (laughs) Um, (laughs) so it I mean like we went to this house that was like I didn't go to Wendy's house she's she was 12 and she's pretty happy and I didn't go but you probably saw a picture on the slideshow it's just like I don't know I wasn't there it's like dirt floor and they all share the same bathroom. And, um, um, these kids, like, we went to their houses, and they're just, like, really, they're just happy. They're smiling, and they're, you'd never even guess that 
they're going through hard times and that their house is, I don't know, pretty falling apart. And it's just amazing that they're so happy. And whereas us American kids, we, we aren't happy. Usually we're always wanting more and more and more. And these kids have nothing and they're completely happy with it. And so that's what God showed me this week, that we have every right to be thankful for what we have, and these kids do too, but we aren't. And that I need to, like Daniel, he had no parents, or at least he was by himself. And I get mad at my parents sometimes, and I, I need to, um, I realize that I can't, I shouldn't take my parents for granted. was our youngest on the trip and then I don't know Lisa Robert who's going first and then we're almost done and then I have a three point <laughs> I've got uh, just two short little stories to relate during the stove building it was an all downhill glide down to the homes but on the way back it's almost vertical and I, being just a few years older than these folks here, was huffing and a puffing and a sweating and a crying. And I have to stop. And on the first go around, on the first hill, I was with Pastor Rob. He was on my left, encouraging me. And on my right was the Lord. Sorry, I'm a little emotional here. Anyway, made it up the hill. And I was <laughs> I was pretty tired, but I was uh, I was okay. And then the next day, this was the tough one. They had all the steps going down and down and down. And on the way up it was quite a bit harder. And I was doing the same thing, huffing and a puffing, and on my left was Brian. He was encouraging me, saying, we can stop, we can take a break. And I said, no, we'll, you know, we'll stop just a couple seconds and let me catch my breath and then take off. And it was pretty hard. But I had Brian and I had the Lord. And I made it to the top. And I was drenched on this one. I was just soaking wet and it wasn't raining. And... Uh, I was <laughs> I had to lean against the car and they had to go back down and pick up some more stuff to take up and I don't want to talk about myself or anything but I saw these this young girl and this older woman carrying these cement blocks up these steps into their house and I, I don't know I said I, I I just can't let them do that by themselves so here I am huffing and a puffing and I walk up there and just grab a couple of these cement things and help them take it up and go back down. And first up and down I went was two of them, two, uh, two bricks. The second, third, fourth, fifth time there was only one. <laughs> I was getting pretty tired. Anyway, uh, 
they got up. That was all done, and the, the fellas all came back up. And uh, the whole family came out, and they introduced themselves to us, and we introduced them to, to them. And uh, the one girl, her name was Maria. She was just 13 years old. And uh, she was asking Zach how old he was. <laughs> so or, or they were guessing, I guess. And then uh, they were guess she tried to guess uh, uh, Brian's age. Oh, okay. I don't know what that meant. Anyway, and then <laughs> she said, how old am I? <laughs> what did he say? Oh, okay. And uh, anyway, she said something, and Brian said, I, I asked Brian, how old was that? And he said, that's 85. And I said, no, they're off a few years. <laughs> well, anyway, after that, we were walking down to the uh, to the uh, school down there to be picked up. And there were some girls there and some guys there, and Brian was swinging them around and having a good old time. And this one girl came up to me and wanted my hat, wanted to wear the hat. So I said, sure, here you go. And uh, she wore the hat and had a good time and got in the truck. And off we went back down <clears throat> down uh, to the Jeremiah Project. And uh, they went through uh, what, whatever they, they were doing down there at that particular time. Then we went over to play football. I didn't play. I just watched. And uh, the girl was there, and she wanted my camera and took some pictures and everything. And then we had to go back. I'm going to shorten this up here. Anyway, uh, long story short, she they were leaving, and she wanted to give me my hat back. And uh, I said, no, you, you keep it. And this, this, again, is emotional for me. Her eyes got big, and she grabbed me and hugged me and thanked me because she got her hat. Well, I'm getting emotional. I haven't even started. Um, it was an honor and a privilege. It really was. I didn't know what to expect. I have to say uh, Nancy and Josue have done a wonderful job. They acquired this house and did lots and lots of work to it. And like I said, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't. I thought maybe it's a hovel. I really didn't know. But it, it done very well. We painted and we did things, which was very nice. I don't paint. I don't do anything. But I got in there <laughs> and did my best. And I had painted my hair, and I said, well, that's nothing new. But uh, it, it, was, it, it was a really nice time. I really enjoyed doing it. And I helped with the lessons that they had in the afternoon. The singing and the crafts, I don't know a word of Spanish, but the kids were having a good time, and I thought, well, that's all that counts. So then I participated as much as I could. The one little trek we did, it was pretty steep. And, boy, I was huffing and puffing. I thought, okay, Lord, get me up there. And this lady was lived in a corrugated metal house. And it was actually nicer than some of the other ones. She had this big bed. She had herself and her two kids. She had a stove. And she was so happy to, to be us to be there and to talk to us. And I really admired that. There was a couple of other we went to, and they had the same attitude, too. And it was really nice. So on the way back, I thought, okay, Lord, you've got to get me down here because I didn't want to go 
down that hill. But two of the ladies helped me down, and I sure gave thank you, Lord, that I got down this hill. But uh, it was really nice. I really enjoyed it. I felt the Holy Spirit grow within me and to appreciate these people. They had something to share with us. I had something to share with them. And I'm getting emotional. I don't want to, to do it. But it was a really growing learning experience for me to um, share myself with them. And they shared themselves with me. And I just want to say, they love Robert's white hair. <laughs> they, that's why they kept out. How old is he? They really thought he was old. You know? I said, nah, he's not that old. He's had gray hair for many years. But, I mean, it's white. He's got pretty white hair. So anyway, I just wanted to share this, and um, glad to be home. Would I go on another one? Yes, either overseas or at home. But uh, the good Lord grant us health and a lot more exercise to get in shape. Ha! <laughs> <Huh. laughs> Thank you. Well, you just want to thank everyone for, for, again, praying and supporting and listening. It's been very, we went way long. Um, so, but thanks for, for having the patience. And um, so the three-point message is this. Love God, love one another, and love the lost. Can you hear it all? Love God, love one another, and love the lost. Get outside of yourself, and God wants to use you. Amen. Father, thank you so much for what you did in our hearts as the group who went down to Guatemala. Father, thank you for allowing us to be part of the work that we, might, we were able to do down there. Lord, I pray that you would stir all of our hearts up here as a congregation, as believers, to, uh, to love you more, to appreciate the gifts and be thankful for what you've given us. Lord, help us to love one another. God, help us to, to not be so busy. And um, God, help us to get outside of ourselves, um, whether it's going or just go next door and really love the lost, love those around us, love our neighbors, um, and shine the, the love and light of Jesus to those that we come in contact with and help them grow one step closer to Christ too. Father, thanks for getting us home safely um, with just minor difficulties. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.